Welcome to Globally Speaking, a production by RWS. Globally Speaking is designed to educate, inform, and challenge everyone who is engaged in global communications. Our experts talk to various industry thought leaders to dig into the most critical issues impacting language and localization today. Learn more by visiting our website at www.globallyspeakingradio.com. Now, here is the host for this episode. Welcome to Globally Speaking. My name is Jim Compton. I'm a partner manager for RWS, and I'm here with Allison Virch, who is the executive director of GALA, the Globalization and Localization Association. Also, I would say a friend, Allison. You bet. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about GALA today, but why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. And yes, definitely a friend of Jim Compton. That's the first thing in the list. And I'm the executive director at Gala, and I've been working there for 11 years. I have a background in association management, and I am, I would say, a polymath, which is your vocabulary word for the day, and just a jack of all trades, master of none, or maybe master of a few. And when I'm not working, I'm an athlete. I try to continue being an athlete in my middle age. And I I love swimming and biking and whatever I can get my hands on actually to do for fun outside, especially. Yeah, that's the opposite of me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, Allison, I understand next year will be the 20th anniversary of Gala. That's right. 20 years old. So I have to be honest, I don't actually know when I became aware of Gala, it was already you know, well-established. What is the origin story of Gala and how did you get involved? Okay, so it started in 2002 and it was a bit of a, a reaction to LISA, which was the Language Industry Standards Association. And at the time, LISA was available only for big client-side members. And the language service providers, especially the SMEs, were feeling frustrated to not have an association home. And so um, three people with foresight decided to form GALA. And we had 12 founding members, many of whom are still members today, actually. And uh, that was it in, in 2002. So its origins, GALA's origins are as an association for language service providers. And it wasn't until much later, um, about 10 years or more, that we started welcoming um people from the client side. And, and ironically, Lisa by then had dissolved. And I came to Gala in 2010 as a part-time events manager. And that was when the Gala annual conference was just getting started. They had done one in 2009 and they brought me in um, to work on 2010. And, and then over the years, my role just expanded. We're a small staff association and we all wear a lot of hats. And so I kept putting on more and more hats and eventually found myself here in charge. <laughs> so, I mean, 20 years, a lot has changed in the industry and also in, in the world. What are some of the ways that Gala has evolved? Internally, the biggest change has been the breadth of our community. In the early days, like I said, it was really just language service providers and particularly smaller orgs. Now that group is still a huge proportion of our membership, 
But now we also have uh, client companies. 16% of our membership is from client-side organizations. And then 15% are from academic institutions. So the composition of the membership has been one of the bigger changes. Um, I think externally what we've seen, well, there's two things. Like let's say market factors and then technology are the the things that have applied the most pressure, I would say, um, from our perspective. And we've seen... Um, membership change in small ways. And you guys probably know better than anybody, you know, when sometimes when we see a merger or an acquisition, we lose a member. <laughs> and that um, happens a lot these days. Yeah, I mean, I think we had talked at one point about how just the role of trade organizations has sort of changed over the years. And at one point, it might have been really the only channel by which someone would stay connected to others in the industry. But today there's lots of lots of options and channels. Why should someone be in a trade organization? I'm so glad you asked, Jim. Let me share that with you. Yeah, that's a great point. Back in the day, that's the sole purpose of an association, whether it was an individual association or a trade association, was to provide the, the person working in that sector with um, a ready network. And that was their only source, really, of, of information. Think about the dark ages before the internet, which you and I both remember. Um, so, so now people can get a lot of information. They can get training. They can get events. They can get Lots of different things. I think what is is unique about an, an industry association is community. And I would say a sense of community is at the heart of all associations. Um, you know, they band together for a specific purpose. In Gala's case, it's it's coming together to learn and to grow professionally. I think the power of associations lies in um, lies in the collaboration of people that are working to achieve common goals. And that's true even if they're competitors. So you don't see that elsewhere, right? You've got competitors coming together to work on something that's for the greater good. Sometimes you hear this expression, um, for the good of the order, right? And, and that's doing something that's bigger than yourself or your company. So that's another reason to, to turn to an association. Uh, I think the other unique thing about an association and about gala is that we're not for profit so our motivations are different than some of the other competition out there and we're we're the total package right so other organizations like you said offer content or they offer events or they offer visibility opportunities but very few of them offer a true community and a professional network like Gala. And and none of them offer everything in one package like we do. And so there's, I would say, a lot that's unique about us and and worth looking at. One of the things, I mean, I know for sure, because I've participated in this, but I think is really on the note of getting, you know, competitors to come together and, and collaborate would be the work that Gala has been doing on standardization, right? Mm-hmm. Like trying to reduce friction and waste in the, in the system and, and really float everyone's boats. Maybe you can share with us some of the things Gala is doing in the field of standardization. Sure. I'll also say first that standards are important to our people. And we know that because we ask them, you know, we do an annual member survey and we ask people to tell us what's most important to them and to stack rank these, these topics and standards um, this last year that we did it in Q1 of this year, number two in terms of level of importance. So um, we're actually at a bit of a, 
a threshold, I would say, with standards for the last several years. And, and you know this well, because you have been one of the heavy lifters on um, the topic initiative. But we have focused on technical interoperability standards in the last few years. And that comes from a frustration of our member companies at um, the onerous work of integrating multiple technologies. Everybody's using multiple technologies now in their workflows. Their tech stack is deep and complex. And when they you know, connect with a new partner or a new client, there's another layer. And so there's this proliferation of APIs, custom APIs. So so standards um, lately has been focused on that technical interoperability and trying to kill this, um, you know, one API for every integration so that there's millions out there. Um, that said, I think we need to pause and ask the members again, what's most important to them when it comes to standards? Because, um, you know, maybe maybe certification readiness is more important. Maybe there's a lot of companies that want to get an ISO standard certification, but they are not sure how to go about it. Or maybe they want to influence standards development at some of the big standards bodies. So later this year, we're going to launch a standards committee that's built of members to address some of those questions. And I, I personally hope we're going to pick up the technical interoperability task again. How does someone, if they're interested in standards or they're interested in you know, having a voice in this, what, what is the best way for them to have their voice heard? At the end of June, we're going to do a call for volunteers, and there are a limited number of spots on a committee, like the Standards Committee or Programs Committee. But that said, I want to remind people that GALA is a representative organization, so the board of directors are meant to represent the members, and so there's always an open channel there. Also, the staff is really easy to connect with, too. So it's a very democratic, very egalitarian system we've developed here. And we want to hear from our members at any time, whether it's kind of through official committee work or just an email or a phone call or a Zoom chat, whatever. So if they want to get truly involved and roll up their sleeves, there's going to be opportunities for that. But if they just want to chime in with an opinion or a suggestion, um, that's really easy. Reach out to any board member or any staff member really at any time. What are maybe some of the other things that you're hearing from your members that they would like support from Gala with? Mm -hmm. Well, content wise, the number one topic is automation and AI. Always. <laughs> Technology has always been at the top of the list. And followed by linguistics topics, and I would say that means things like terminology or getting even more specific, like um, working with right-to-left languages. So those two, along with standards, fill out the top three, I would say, topics or areas that the members are, are interested in getting information on, learning about, following trends in. And then after that, believe it or not, is sales and marketing topics, leadership and soft skills. And then surprisingly, to me, surprisingly anyway, is operation. Operations issues ranks last. <laughs> so I guess they're doing great on that front. Let's just take an example there. Like someone wants support like operationally. What's Gala's approach to try to you know, serve that, that need for your members? We try to provide them with learning opportunities. 
We don't do consulting services. That's one thing Gala doesn't do, which some of our competitors, if you want to call them that, do. And so they're going to have to take it upon themselves to, you know, read or watch or listen to information that we develop with expert content leaders. And they're also going to have to connect with the network, with the professional network, and they can do that in a few ways. Um, it is I will say that it's a bit tougher than it used to be um, because our events were always, our in-person events were always a really easy way to, to forge connections. And sometimes it was about doing business, but just as often it was about learning from each other. I did want to ask that, right? Because I think there's lots of channels that you guys have put together for people to collaborate. There's the different discussion threads, webinars, blog. But yeah, the in-person event seemed to be a, a catalyst for all sorts of interesting collaboration that, that might, maybe wasn't even planned, right? How has the pandemic impacted that dynamic? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's been rough. It's been rough because you described these serendipitous interactions that just can't even be planned, right? Hallway discussions or discussions over dinner or drinks or lunch or something. And we can't replicate that. We've, we've done the best we can to provide some opportunities. We've done a few virtual events with a load of networking time, and we've gotten positive feedback about that. But we also know that it's kind of a pale substitute to a real in-person event. So yes, it's been challenging. We're looking forward to the day when we can get back together. And at this point, it's looking like San Diego in March of 2022. Mm -hmm. And if you if you're curious, I can share some info from a survey that we did about people's willingness to travel internationally. Yeah, I'd, I'd love you, to hear that. You want to hear yeah. that? It was it was yeah. really interesting, and I was tickled because we had a huge response rate. We had 702 responses to this survey, and we tried to ask questions in a pretty thoughtful way to give us actionable data. And what was interesting was that you saw the full range of opinions and emotions and plans. And what was most telling were the comments. I'll summarize it like this. People are not ready to travel internationally in 2021. They are so eager. They cannot wait. They're dying to get back together again, but not this year. And it has a lot to do with vaccination rates and people's comfort level of being in a you know, an environment where you're bringing together people from potentially like 50 countries. So I think that it's going to look different for 2022. But, you know, in the comments, like I was saying, for every one person that was saying, I can't believe you're even considering, you know, getting together in Dublin this year, you're so irresponsible. <laughs> um, there were, you know, three people that were saying, do it, do it. We can't wait. We'll be there. <laughs> Tell us when. Yeah, it was interesting. I'm really excited about the next gala event. Yeah. Well, so you said it was rough, right? But I know you've had some online versions of gala, you know, in lieu of in-person events. Has there been any kind of silver lining or, or something that arose from that that you're going to keep going or maybe double down on? Yeah, I, th I would say that, well, this is slightly corny, but you could say that digitization of the conference equals democratization of the conference. So traditionally, the in-person gala conference has been attended by executives, people with budget and people with time. 
and it's been a certain sort of echelon, right, of company owners and and the, the higher ups. And it's not been as accessible for junior project managers or linguists or people serving in middle, you know, middle management roles. And so the online conference becomes vastly more accessible to those people who now don't have to get travel budget. It's very affordable. So usually people can find the professional development budget for it. I think we will probably continue doing some version of an online conference so that we can reach deeper into our membership and deliver some value to the sections that are the segments rather that might not get the same opportunity that the executives do. Yeah, that's really interesting. Your accessibility. I think that you might also end up getting a different point of view or that kind of collaboration between people who might not have collaborated with before because they would have never been in a live event. So maybe there is some different kind of serendipitous relationship that can be made with these online specific events. Yeah, I hope so. And I think so. We're seeing it, you know, I've been referring to quote unquote, the online event, you know, the online conference, but we have lots of other smaller meetings or events, if you want to call them that, where we see this on kind of a micro level and people make connections or they'll reach out to us afterward and say, oh, hey, could you introduce me to, you know, Skippy John, because I want to talk to him about, you know, this business challenge that I'm facing. So we do see it on a smaller scale with our other events too. So I know the industry has been changing. How has the changes in, in the industry changed the needs of gala members and how are you supporting them with that? Well, just to reiterate, our goal and our, our mission is to support our members, right? So we need to figure out what it is that they need and then try to fulfill those needs. So we watch carefully and we listen carefully to their business challenges or operational challenges. Let me just also say that we don't have a crystal ball, but we are looking at the impact of automation on the workforce and on workflows, right? It, it necessitates reskilling and adapting and everybody's trying to figure this out. And Gala likes to say that we're future oriented and human focused. And so we're not going to go kicking and screaming into, you know, automation. We just want to be prepared and stay focused on the people and what the people are going to need to adapt to these new ways of working. So that's one area where the changing needs of the industry is is like clear and present to us. Another would be on this emphasis on language data. And I would say it's kind of the Wild West at the moment where that's concerned. I don't think there's even any standardized, you know, definition of what constitutes language data. Tapic was working on some of that. Who does it belong to? Who gets paid for it? How is it tracked? These are big topics that people are starting to wrestle with now. And we'll try to help with that. And like I said before, technical interoperability is is continues to be a big challenge. There's so many proprietary systems and so many custom integrations and all these homegrown APIs. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of resources. But, and you you know this really well, Jim, until there's some kind of uprising and and that's probably going to have to come from the buying side, there's just not much incentive to change. And (laughs) sometimes I'll joke with the, the gala board that 
we should just become a development operation and build connectors. Like we'd probably make a lot more money doing that, but that's not our mission. So <laughs> uh, we won't do that. You know, it's a very interesting inherent contradiction that you're trying to solve with an industry organization, this idea of getting competitors to collaborate, right? And maybe doing things that are not necessarily going to be of direct benefit to them, but collectively will be, you know, of benefit to everyone. It is interesting to me to see how Gala is able to get competitors to collaborate and maybe, you know, without you giving up your secret sauce, how do you approach that inherent contradiction of getting competitors to collaborate? Hmm. Well, there's a phrase that I, I don't know who coined it, but it's coopetition. And I think it's what you said. People need to see that the benefit to the whole industry and to even global business, if you want to go that far, outweighs or, or, or is, is worth any short-term kind of sacrifice. So it does take a certain kind of person. And I'll be clear, there are some people that have no interest whatsoever in participating in some of these, these endeavors and these initiatives because they, they think that it's giving away their secret sauce, for example. But I am not sure that we, ha we have a secret recipe, Jim, about getting people to work together other than persuading them that it's for the good of the industry and, and that um, they stand to gain by doing so. And like, I'll give you an example. We have special interest groups and one of them is the machine translation post editing training special interest group. And this one is like the poster child for collaboration amongst competitors and across segments. And so we have a very active group of academics that are in that SIG. We have small businesses and LSPs, and we have a couple of really big client companies that are all participating in essentially building a cookbook, you know, or an owner's manual to MTPE training. And they're great. They're fantastic. And the way they work together, I think we're going to produce something pretty cool for the industry when all is said and done. I mean, this might be one compelling reason for, you know, folks who are on the buying side to be members, right? Is they actually can be that voice of customer, like the demand side that can be the catalyst for the change that ultimately supports them and benefits them and their business. Mm -hmm. Well, the truth is they wield a lot of the influence. It's, I'm not sure that they all know how to use it. And there are examples of really kind of mature, sophisticated localization operations. And then there's also quite a few that are, that are brand new to it. You know, imagine like, I don't know, a marketing person who got tasked with like, hey, take this product multilingual, you know, take it global. We're going to go into these three markets and the person has no idea what to do or where to start. So I do think that the client side has a couple of incentives, and one of them is just to grow and learn from their peers and also from the service providers who have a lot to share about, you know, optimization, for example, and efficiency. But then they also can wield influence if they choose to, because like you say, the demand side often sets the agenda. So we talked about you not having a crystal ball, but I'm going to ask you to maybe pretend that you do. So 20th anniversary of Gala, what do you think Gala looks like in the next 20 years? <laughs> yeah, we're going to build connectors. We're going <laughs> to integrations. No, I'm joking. We're not. I'm, as far as I know. Um, 
Well, that's a great question, Jim. And we've been um, throwing that around at the board level and at the staff level uh, a lot this year. And there is a bit of, let me just try, try to describe it. A lot of the people on the board come from companies who whose mission is to grow, right? To grow profits, grow client base. And so we often have that mindset. My mindset is that Gala is here to serve our members, no matter how many. We're not here to get more members and get more members and get more members. We need to deliver value to our members so that they become you know, the best companies that they can be. And they help in turn elevate the whole industry in the eyes of the global business machine. And I actually believe that Gala is going to continue doing much the same that it has done for the last 20 years. We're going to continue adapting to the needs of our members and trying to meet them where they are try to deliver value to them in the ways that they need it at the time that they need it. And the truth of the matter is, at any given time, that value proposition is going to be relevant to some companies and it won't be relevant to other companies. And so kind of the, the, the fortunes of you know how many members we have, for example, are less important than are we doing a good job delivering value and giving our members what they need at the time that they need it. So, so in short, <laughs> I think we're going to be doing much the same as we are now. Adapting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is not a static thing. Adapting, yes, exactly, as the market changes and as the industry changes and the technology changes. That's cool. Allison, is there any question that we should talk about? I would like people to know that Gala is a year-round operation with lots of opportunities for engagement. And so I think once upon a time, people used to conflate the Gala conference with Gala. They thought that was it. That was Gala. But we're doing stuff year-round. And if people want to get engaged, they can. They can contribute content. They can write a blog. They can write an article. They can join a special interest group. They could host a Loke Mixer, you know, either in person when that's allowed or online. Those are just networking events where you grow your network and you find people that are working on the same challenges that you are. You know, the other thing that we haven't talked about that, that I think I should mention is that Gala is a great visibility machine also for a certain segment of our membership. Um, you know, we're well known, we have a good reputation, we have a pretty big reach. And so for companies that are interested in having kind of more visibility and prominence, Gala is a wonderful platform for that. So I just would need to mention that. I think that's probably it. You know, we always say engaged members are content members. And so we're constantly trying to get people to engage with us in ways that make sense for them. And we used to have a very busy fall schedule. And that's where we'd meet a lot of people. I mean, I'd meet a lot of people at, you know, Loke World and TICOM and EUATC and the Meet Central Europe. You know, it, there was constantly this opportunity to spout off about Gala and talk about it. And now we just don't have that. So that's been an interesting sort of eureka aha moment. Like, oh, yeah, well, we did kind of lose one of our big marketing channels. <gasps> that, is, that is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing okay. We're doing fine. Our retention rates are really good and we're happy about that. But our new members were down and I, I don't know how to digest that. Part of me just wants to chalk it up to economic uncertainty and people being pretty conservative with, with investments that were perceived to be like 
oh, gee, I can cut professional development from the budget, no problem. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think we're going to be focusing on that a little bit. Like, you know, invest in your people unless you want to have a bunch of churn. This is one really easy way to invest in your people's professional development. So cheap, so cheap. You know, you mentioned this phenomenon where like people who might not otherwise go to a gala live event, you know, in the past, now they're going to these these online events. I wonder if that provides like another marketing channel for you, right? That you're going to, you know, catch people maybe early on in their career before they become the executive or the CEO. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, this is just the early stages of, I mean, if, if, if this approach of having it be more democratized ultimately will pay off, you know, down the road. That's the idea is that if we can kind of grow the rank and file representation, even at existing member companies, those people will become fans of Gala. And when they move to their next job, maybe they'll say, hey, this was a really great benefit and it was pretty affordable. How about we sign up? So that's part of the the strategy. Yes, for sure. And also part of our, our global talent and why we why we give academic institutions free membership, you know, because we want to reach out to those new professionals and basically get them into the gala community so that they understand the value and can maybe become evangelists someday. Sounds like a solid plan. I think it, well, you never think it know. Makes sense. We'll give it a we'll give oh, you, it a Yeah, have to try. Yeah. Uh, try. Uh, what is it? Iterate and refine and iterate and refine. And the academic part of it is kind of special, I think. I don't feel like all organizations sort of maybe have even inspired the will to want to participate from academics, right? I mean, that seems like something unique to Gala. Well, I think it is. And it's part of the Global Talent Initiative overall, which is sort of an umbrella initiative with a lot of a couple programs underneath it. And one of them is free academic memberships because everybody's complaining about the talent gap, right? They're talking about how they have to spend six months training somebody on the way to do things because they didn't learn it in school. And we want to address that in in a few different ways. And so one of them is by bringing instructors into the conversation, right? So the fact that they're participating in the MTPE training SIG is is great. It's wonderful. You know, the people that are involved are going to have a better curriculum for their their people who are going to be entering the industry soon. We think, we hope that that investing in kind of the they're not necessarily younger, but the newer professionals is going to pay off, we hope. In fact, we're doing a mentoring event at the end of June. It's, it's limited, so we're going to have five mentors and 25 students, and we'll repeat it. We'll do it again. But they come from all different parts of the industry, you know, big client companies like Ikea and Amazon, and, and then you've got small LSPs and one really big LSP. And we're going to kind of create these opportunities for connection between students and, you know, professionals that are further along. And we're pretty excited about that. We had our first student Loke Mixer yesterday, and there were like 12 different institutions there and a bunch of different countries. It was cool. So I think the students are worth the investment for sure. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, Sign me up for sure. Allison, thank you so much for being a guest on Globally Speaking, and I hope to see you definitely in in San Diego, but I hope our paths cross sooner than that. I know, I know, me too. Well, thank you so much for having me on and giving me an opportunity to just spout off about Gala. It's our pleasure. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Globally Speaking, an RWS production. You can subscribe to Globally Speaking on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or Podbean. Check out other episodes on globallyspeakingradio.com, where you can also find transcripts from every show. We'd like to hear your comments, suggestions, and feedback, so don't hesitate to reach out to us by contacting us at info at globallyspeakingradio.com.